Tim Ballard is one of the world's real-life heroes. He started off working in the CIA, in the Homeland Security, and then eventually found his calling to help the deeply suffering people of the world who are experiencing trafficking, sex trafficking, kidnapping. And so he ultimately realized that to do his job in the most effective way, he had to branch out on his own. And he's created an organization called Operation Underground Railroad. I'm incredibly excited to share this podcast with all of you. But before we get started, I'd like to talk to you about silent mode. So what is silent mode? Silent mode is like a personal sensory deprivation device. It's a blindfold with built-in audio and built-in biometric tracking. And so what it can do is it can create your own sensory deprivation world where they can actually offer different programs that can help you relax, help you with breathing exercises, help you train in rather than train out and actually enhance your own mental fitness, your emotional fitness, and genuinely optimize your mindset. So it's something that you can just pop on for 10 minutes, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, run through one of their programs, and you're really going to enjoy it. Like I said, it's like a personal sensory deprivation device. So if you go to silentmode.com amp, you'll get 15% off the power mask and three months free of their Breathonic subscription, which is all of the different programs that they offer on iOS that can just help you let the world fall away so you can listen to yourself, connect back within, and see what happens. I think you guys are really going to enjoy this. So go to silentmode.com amp or use the promo code amp for your 15% off and three months free Breathonic subscription. Tim, it's great to be sitting down here with you, man. So I'm honored, man. Really. Yeah. Thank you. So when I first, and you know, this is something that's really interesting because... I knew that human trafficking was a thing and I understood the term, I understood what it actually was, but I really had no idea until this year that the extent to which this is happening in the world. And some of the statistics, when I started following you and I got introduced to what you were doing, you know, that was one of the first things that really came about. One, it's shocking to me that someone is, I try to be as tapped in as I can be to what's going on in the world. It's not like I'm intentionally looking away, but it just hadn't been presented to me in a way where it caught my attention enough to realize, holy shit, this is a major epidemic problem going on in the world. And so I definitely want to talk about how that's kind of now finally just starting to creep into the mainstream narrative. But also, if you would, just talk about some of these statistics to let people know, perhaps for the first time, like me six months ago, where I'm really starting to understand how deep this problem is and how pervasive it is in the world. Yeah, this is the fastest growing criminal enterprise in the world. Um, that alone should get everybody's attention. Uh, and the numbers, um, you talk about modern day slavery, human trafficking. I mean, this what it is is people who don't control themselves. They're they're owned, wholly owned by somebody else, whether it's for labor or for or for sex. Usually if you're the one, you're gonna eventually be the other one. Um, and even organ harvesting. Uh, those numbers are somewhere around 30 million people. That's more people enslaved today than ever before in the history of the world. And I think you know, we read our history books and we think, oh, you know, I, I read about that. Slavery was eradicated, the Civil War, Abraham Lincoln, the transatlantic slave trade is over. And, and not to at all under, under uh, uh, report or uh, 
they, they downplay that downplay that at yeah. all at all at all there's nothing worse in the world than, uh, than, than the translating but you've trade. dedicated your life to fighting right but but if you added up all the people that were enslaved during that transatlantic slave trade period there are more people just alive today in slavery than all of those together over that combined 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade just to give some perspective of what we are talking about uh, the united states oftentimes people say well that's doesn't affect us here that's something far far away wrong we are the number one demand we are the number one consumers of child exploitation materials, child rape videos, I just call them what they are. We're the number one demand. We're the ones driving the demand. We're traveling out, sex tourists who are going out and engaging in this activity. Uh, this a startling statistic from the State Department this year, the United States is in the top three now for destination countries for human trafficking. The traffickers wanna get the, the people, the kids, the women into our markets because it's here where they can make a lot top of money. Dollar. Yep. That is absolutely terrifying and, and really illuminating to realize that, you know, this is something that's in the zeitgeist. People talking about still the damage and the trauma that occurred from the slavery in the transatlantic period. And it's still happening. It's still happening. And yes, all of the all of the healing, all of the support of all disenfranchised communities, all communities that have suffered trauma from every different race and culture. We always have to fight for them and support that healing. And that's a part of your process too. We'll, I'm sure we'll talk about that, the integration, the healing afterwards. Yeah. But right now, this very moment, there's 30 million people in slavery. Yes. You know, And the champions for those people, they're, they're fewer and farther between than you would imagine when you, there's this atrocity that's happening. Yeah, people don't wanna talk about it. Um, it, how you know every time we come home from a mission, and you're so Im embedded in it, and you're, you've seen it, and it's just ugly and it hurts, and you come home and you see what the headline is, the headlines of the day, it's you know some sensational thing, usually someone poking someone else, some political thing, and it's just like what? How is this what's making it to the top? You know, um, when there are millions of people, children, two million children alone, are forced into commercial sex every year. How is that not the headline every day until we solve that? And it's just not. I, people don't want to. They don't want to look at it. You know, it hurts. I guess it hurts too much to look at it. It does hurt. You know, but that's if you have any modicum of courage, you got to look at that with your eyes wide open. You know, and just stare at it and let the tears fall. I mean, that's what I did with my wife recently when we watched the documentary that you put out, uh, Operation Toussaint. Yeah. When we watched that, I mean you watch it and it hurts it hurts your heart it hurts your eyes you like you feel it and you feel you feeling it. you feel those moments where you have an astronomical amount of kids by the way nine kids yeah. <laughs> and you watch you as an amazing father loving these kids and then you see these moments where you fall in love with these kids and yes you're this badass operator that's going to rescue them but you're also a dad you're also a man a human and it just wrecks you it does. to see it in fact know? i think it's in that documentary it tells the story of the first time that I came across a real child from, you know, when I started out the first couple of years, it was just responding to this, this, uh, this, this tsunami of child exploitation material that was hitting our country, mm -hmm. uh, our end user, our pedophiles. And we we're getting these pedophiles and knocking them off. And then you'd see these images of these kids and just, where are they? How can we find them? Today, there's tools. Homeland Security has amazing tools to identify some of these kids, but back, in the, back then we didn't. And it was breaking my heart, but the first time I saw one of those kids, he was being brought across the border. 
um, by this horrible trafficker pedophile who was kidnapping kids in Mexico, bringing them across into the United States, into California, in San Bernardino, and he had a he had a makeshift kind of child porn studio, and he's he was he would make videos. Yeah, he built a little set inside of a warehouse yes. where he would lock people in um, and shoot child rape videos. Right, and there's this kid. We we pulled him out of the van, and um, I was the case agent on the case, and I'm looking at him. I'm like, oh my gosh, you're you're one of the kids from the. I recognized him, you know, mm -hmm. and he at one point he comes running to me and, and just hugs me, and he says in perfect English. I it was shocked to me because the English was a result of having been groomed by this guy for years it turns out he's only five years old and he just says to me i don't belong here and to hear a five-year-old say i don't belong here in that context because he knows what's happening to him mm -hmm. it just it almost broke me and then i went home that after that operation two or three days later because then we had to raid the place up in san bernardino we found a total of 12 kids that this guy was doing the same thing to i went home and i saw my children and something happened to me because I, I thought, wait, my kids were only 15 miles from the place where we got this, this little boy out, that close. Mm. And my kids are happy and they're running around and the daddy hugging me. And I, um, I don't know what happened, something mentally, I still gotta figure it out. I should probably go see some, get some help, because it happens frequently <laughs> I think to it's, me. A, it's called being a human. And I just, I literally, my knees gave out, I fell down and, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm just sobbing like, like a baby. My wife had to come grab me, she thought I was, I think she thought I was having a heart attack or something because I mm -hmm. couldn't even talk. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. I can't. It was seeing my kids and the almost like guilt. Yeah. Like how can they be so happy when millions are being raped? Like it's just insane, right? And, and um, you know, my, my wife, without her, I would be doing none of this, you know, and she, and she helped me and she reminded me that no matter the pain I feel, it's nothing relative to the pain of these kids. And that's the message I'd give everybody is, yeah. it hurts to look at this, it hurts to engage it. Like you said, you you, you and your wife cried, you know, and, and you felt that pain and, and we, but we have, that's the sacrifice we all have to make so that we can engage it, so we can alleviate, alleviate a pain that we can't even comprehend. It's the smallest amount of courage to just open your eyes and see. And, you know, look, all of us are going to be able to contribute in different ways, but that awareness and spreading the message and being champions for those who have no champions, those who have no hope. Yeah. You know, and that's a, that's another big message from, from that same documentary when you went to rescue some young women in Haiti. You know, they were hopeless. This was their fate they were resigned to. And then all of a sudden there was hope because you were willing to step up and do something and that that changes the whole landscape you know that changes the possibility of what what is available out there how many how many people have you rescued over a thousand right with operation over four thousand four thousand yeah over four thousand and we're close to three thousand arrests now um and it's true what you say i was thinking about those 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 survivors there i mean they they were literally children who were scooped up after the earthquake in 2010 they were six seven years old and they were told, you know, anytime there's an earthquake or some kind of disaster, especially in a developing country, count on it. The traffickers are coming in. It's harvest time. Because that earthquake produced about a half a million orphans overnight. And the, and the traffickers came in. So this woman trafficker, her name's Cho, you introduced her in the, in the documentary. Mm -hmm. She takes this little girl. Her parents are dead. I'll take you. I'll take you in. I'll take care of you. Turns her into a sex slave. And this little girl is now she the the brothel she's forced to work in is is this dungeon 
on yeah. the street in Port-au-Prince, Haiti, the little red steel door. No one's going to open that door. She has no reason to believe anyone will ever open that door to do anything but come in and rape her. And, uh, and what we do at our foundation, working with the police, we go intentionally to those darkest corners. I mean, think of this girl. She's not only in an obscure country. She's in the darkest corner of that obscure country mm-hmm. behind a little red door. Mm-hmm. And I've thought a lot about that. You know, that we, that's where we will go. We'll go anywhere and everywhere. And it does change the, the, the dynamic. And it's not just us. There's, there's other groups, many groups doing this. Um, but there's hope now where there, where there wasn't hope before. There's hope for anybody now uh, because there's people willing to, to engage. It seems to me that, you know, one of the challenges that a lot of high-level operators experience who I've talked to and interviewed a bunch of them, and I'm friends with many, that have transitioned out of service, you know, out of military duty. But they still, most of them, I mean, sometimes some people have some, you know, bad sentiments towards our military, perhaps because of the missions that they've been sent on. We don't agree with the political agendas that are there. But you talk to these people, they're heroes in their heart. They're not doing this because they have some kind of bloodlust. They're they want to help. Right. They want to serve. Like that's their intention. And and whether you agree or not with the political agenda that sent them to this particular country to do this thing, you cannot question the integrity of the heart of that person. But it seems like as this message becomes aware and as what you're provo- what you're doing, you know, starts to come out, I think I would imagine there's going to be a lot of people like, oh yeah, I'm not scared of dark corners. Like right. I'm I. I know I know dark corners well, and they don't scare me at all. And the people that are that are you know the cowards that are imprisoning these women and children, like I've dealt with a lot worse than them. So fucking hoka, let's go. That's exactly right. These guys, and that's who we recruit. Yeah, people seasoned, experienced, who are not afraid of the dark corners. But what we but what what we do that perhaps wasn't part of their other life. You talk about like the political kind of ambiguity, like who. Is this what we should be doing? Right. This one is easy. It's right? clear. It's, it's black, black and white. And white. Right. What any warrior would dream for. Right. Clear and present evil and the ability to help truly innocent. I mean, it's hard to find a war, you know, where it's that clear. Right. Maybe go back to World War II and we're fighting, you know, the Nazi ideology. But and and there's a lot of good, there's a lot of good that's been done by the military. I'm not saying that, but it's always there's always some ambiguity, but there's no ambiguity here. Right. None. It's, it's very clear. And when you when you see one of these children that comes out and knowing what happened to them and knowing now they have a life of freedom, <laughs> it, it even emphasizes more that point that this is really just good and evil and there's and there's the 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 the, the line is drawn. Yeah. And maybe uh, you know, and this goes into another thing that you're actually working on and uh is the Nazarene Fund, which is working on you know these these criminal and nefarious organizations are also interwoven with terror organizations yes. interwoven with the worst of the worst and isis being another one of these clear and present evils yes. that has existed now it's difficult to know who's isis and not sometimes i suppose but isis came in and i'll let you tell this story but that's another area where they not only raped and killed but they also harvested humans for trafficking you know in the same way another clear delineation of okay here's clear evil and here's the opportunity in an, in a very dark and nasty place of the world, you know, out in the Middle East where it's challenging for sure. Yeah, absolutely. The the Nazarene Fund is doing amazing work. Uh, you know, Glenn Beck founded it in 2015 when ISIS comes rolling in, like you indicated. They, I mean, and, and I think few people knew what was happening. We knew ISIS was doing something. They rolled into these beautiful villages in northern Iraq that really are kind of autonomous in a lot of ways. Always have been. These they're they're centuries old. 
mm-hmm. villages, Yazidi, Christian villages. And ISIS, who saw these people as less than human, just killed the men, stole the women and, and, and the children, and created some of the largest sex slave markets that we've ever seen ever in the history of the world. And the Nazarene Fund works to get them out, working with local partners, extracting them, moving them. We've moved 10,000 people out um, of harm's way, rebuild their villages. And still to this day, we are extracting dozens of children who are still stuck. And ISIS is making a comeback. It's very scary. You know, just because they don't have any sovereign territory doesn't mean they're no longer a threat. They still exist and they're growing and they're recruiting and they're going to come back. And they still have close to 3,000 women and children that we can't find that we know they're they're with them and those are the ones we're going and extracting right now. Yeah, it's you know, it's it's terrifying to just really understand how much evil still exists. Yes. How much like true true evil still exists out there. And you know, that's I think again, that's that's the warrior call. That's the bell that's being rung and that's certainly something that I felt and obviously I'm not an operator. I wouldn't it's not my role to do that. My role is to sit here in this chair and spread as much awareness and and try to shine as much light on this as possible, but you know, I I know that there'll be people listening to this and as this spreads, more and more people will rally to the cause because we want we want to know that we're doing some good in the world. We want to really know that. And it's one thing to, you know, say, "Ah, oh, you know, I pay my taxes, I'm nice to my neighbors and whatever," but when you can see, and I'd love for you to talk about it, like when you have the feeling that you've made a successful raid and you see kids who are lost and desolate and hopeless and being terrorized and tortured, and you know that you help them. I mean, there can probably be fewer things in our opportunity to live our life that are more rewarding and satisfying than to know that you did that good. It's true. It is. There's nothing. I mean, it makes every all the darkness worth it just to be part sure. of something like that. And and really, our team includes everybody. In fact, I'd say the most important thing people can do is is not be an operator. Is do what we're doing right now. Is talk about it. Spread it. You know, we have historical precedents for how you get rid of this. How you get rid of a societal plague like slavery. Um, look at the transatlantic slave trade. Using that as an example again. Um, as much as I love Abraham Lincoln, it's not that he just raised his hand one day and said, I'm going to end this. In fact, he was singing a different tune when he came into the presidency. What happened was this. They didn't have the technology we have today, but they talked. They spread awareness. They wrote books. The abolitionist movement, Harriet Tubman, Frederick Douglass, you know, these amazing people who got so loud. Um, in fact, when, when, um, when Lincoln met a famous abolitionist in the White House, he said to her, he said, so you're the lady that wrote the book that started this war. Even he recognized. Mm. And so that's what we need to do is, um, you know, why the mainstream media won't make this the headlines every day is probably a reflection of us in our society that we aren't making it a big deal. They're, they're just serving, they're giving us what we want. Right, right now, I think people want to be outraged on, on every side. And, and I don't care the, spec, the political spectrum. We want that dopamine hit. We want to be pissed. Mm. And so they're giving it to us. And sometimes it's sensational, oftentimes. And you're wondering, is that really something worth being pissed about? Or, um, I mean, I'm not talking about anything recent. I'm talking about decades and decades. Like and it's, it's certainly recent as well. And, rec- and, and what, we, what we want to do is let's find something we can all be outraged together on. We all agree on. There is yeah. one thing left on the table that we all agree on, maybe only one thing. And that is that children shouldn't be kidnapped, trafficked, raped, bought, sold, 
So let's rally around that and let's make sure the media knows that's what we're interested in. Then they will hopefully start responding with the headlines that we know, that we want. If you were to, if you were to hypothesize a benev- media being a benevolent force that wasn't trying, you know, or at least standing standing aside as they were dividing the nation this would be the rallying cry yes this would be the rallying cry of every politician to be like look whatever republican democrat doesn't matter whatever else uh there's 30 million slaves going on two million of them are children being exploited let's all rally together and let's go arm in arm and let's end this together as a human race and a human species and then when we're done i promise you're allowed to sling shit at your neighbor if you really want but for the time being (laughs) let's focus on this one thing yeah i've said it so many times in those almost exact words like let's let's solve this together then we can get into our blue and right and red tribal wars and do our but let's just come together on this right now because this is serious and, and their children. So the bottom line when it comes to nutrition, input equals output. So what you're putting in your body is going to actually result in the output that you're able to produce in your life. Now, I've had to get really, really keen on everything that I put in my body, particularly lately. I'm not even sure exactly why, but whatever the reason, my nutritional needs have gotten far, far more restricted than usual. And that's what's great about Trifecta is they have all different kinds of meal plans that follow whatever nutritional principles that you're looking for. If you want keto, paleo, vegan, what do you want? You're going to get fully cooked food that's vacuum sealed and that's available. It's what elite athletes use. It's what I use when I'm in a hurry. It's a really great convenient solution with organic produce, never frozen, that's fresh, farm to fork, as they like to say. And it's just something that I think really anybody should take a look at when you want the convenience and also something that's really nourishing and really healthy for the body. So check it out, trifectanutrition.com. That's T-R-I-F-E-C-T-A nutrition.com slash amp. And if you use the code amp, you're gonna get 30% off your first order and get a bunch of food and try it out. See if you like it. All the meat, as I said, is animal welfare level five or above. So it's really well sourced and it has a bunch of different nutritional plans. And check it out. I think you guys are really gonna like it. Trifectanutrition.com slash amp. Those petty differences only make sense in the absence of something as evil as this. Exactly. Like if there's, if everything's cool, yeah, yeah, fuck with your neighbor, you know? Like you be in your homeowner's association and yell at somebody because the basketball goal is facing the wrong direction and it causes glint in your window. Fine. Like go and have your little disagreements, but not while well, there's 2 million right. child sex slaves. Like, no. Like put all of that shit right. aside 100%. for now. That's exactly the message we need out there. And it, it, it's hard to argue with that message too, you know, and that's also, it's one of the, been one of the challenging things for me because, you know, during this, during this lockdown, part of the pandemic, there's been very little discussion about the impact on children, right? you know, on domestic abuse, on child abuse. You know, my sister works as, as CASA, you know, a special advocate for children in the adoptive care system. And, and they've been, they found like a 300% incidence of, oh, yeah really really terrible child abuse that's been going on because schools aren't in and that's where they usually catch a lot of this and then people are at home drinking and they're frustrated but that's those you'll see these tiny little headlines again but nobody's really talking about it to make us aware of like all right let's just be aware of what we're doing let's just not do this blindly you know we did we and we did it blindly 
um, we've been following, the FBI warned us in March that there's going to be an unintended consequence of shutting everything down just in the world of child exploitation. And sure enough, the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children has seen an increase, millions of, of additional reports of abuse. Um, and these are just reports. We won't know until later how bad it was. But these reports have been coming in uh, millions in excess of what it did last year. I saw some stats on one of, uh, one of the other, uh, I forget which, um, maybe Rescue Her, one of the other different um, Instagram you know, organizations that I follow. And they said it was a, over a 90% increase year over year. So from January to July in 2019 versus January to July in 2020, there was a 90% increase yes. uptick. 90%, 90%, almost double. That's exactly right. And our, we have law enforcement partners who are all internationally who are also monitoring the dark net. And these guys, the pedophiles, remember, they're home too. And they're home and bored and on their laptops and on their iPhones. And they're talking to each other. We see the chatter. Harvest time. These are the word, It's harvest time, guys. The kids are sitting ducks. They're home. Parents aren't paying attention. They're scavenging for their jobs, for their food, you know, trying to make ends meet. The kids are told, sit in the corner with your laptop, with your iPad, with your, you know, iPhone. And these guys are accessing our kids. They're experts. They know how to do it. So many times these kids are like at home on gaming, right? And mom and dad, because when we were kids, you, when you played a computer game, you played the computer. And they don't realize, no, you're, your kid's playing somebody else who's pretending right. to be nine years old. He's actually a 60-year-old pedophile trying to access your kid. We're seeing these cases happening all wow. the time. So in those like massive multiplayer games, those third-person shooters or whatever, where you have headsets and you're talking to right. somebody, they're actually infiltrating that. Absolutely. Fuck. Absolutely, they are. We just, just 30 miles from my house about two months ago, a 42-year-old guy was arrested. They, the AG's office caught him. He was gaming on some little kid game with two six-year-old girls from Indiana, six years old. He got them to take all their clothes off and, and got them to take naked pictures of themselves and send to him. Luckily, again, he was caught, but the parents were like, I had no idea. I thought our kid, I thought my kids were playing with other kids or the computer. Parents just don't realize. Like you're, you're, you're inviting pedophiles right into your home by turning that function on the game that says, play, or, play with anyone, right? They can come in and access your kid and, and play a game. It's yeah. horrifying. I saw something from, um, from, that came out of California where they were actually lowering the sentencing for child rape and, and pedophilia. And some, some, like, it seems like the weirdest time in the world that you would make that move. And it made absolutely no sense to me. Does that make any sense to you that this, there would be movements? And I think we talked about this briefly on the phone. Yeah. But it's, it's like there's almost a movement to normalize it in a weird and sick way. Well, we are dealing. We're so we're dealing with something crazy right now because so when when I was uh, an agent, we were a lot of us were undercover, you know, online trying to find out what's going on. And there's this or, there's this organization called the North American Man Boy Love Association, NAMBLA. I don't know if you ever heard of. It NAMBLA. Sounds like a joke. Yeah, you, South Park has made fun of them because it sounds like a joke, but they are an actual organization that has, has existed for decades, trying to legalize, trying to decriminalize. Uh, and, and, and normalize sex between men and children. And they have all these studies they put out and how children actually, studies show that children can ha have like orgasmic type re responses, which of course they can. They're, they're, they're adults in embryo, like they're human yeah. beings. But that's no justification but for saying, what, which they're saying is 
So we should normalize it. Who, who better to teach that child? Let that child experience the joys of sex. I mean, th these are the arguments that we were watching in a corner. Now they're, they're, they're out. They're, they're, it's, it's in mainstream. It's being, you know, pedophilia is in many corners right now. And it's growing. It's not a crime. It's, it's who you are and it should be accepted. That's, this is where we're going right now. And you watch what's gonna happen. I predict in the next 10 years, emancipation laws where, you know, some of these child actors use emancipation laws to be able to be independent. You watch what's gonna happen. They're gonna go to certain organizations. These kids, 12 years old, are gonna emancipate and marry some 40-year-old pedophiles. I mean, this is, this is, I think, where we're going if we don't fight back. Right, and, and it's just <clears throat> a massive disregard for how manipulatively influential somebody could be and how predatory someone could be to basically brainwash somebody, which <clears throat> there is, I guess, some modicum of agency always, even when you're a child. But when you have a fully grown adult with you know, manipulative strategy and language and power and everything else that's convincing some you know, some 12 year old to emancipate themselves. That's not, that's not free. That's not free will. That's not agency. That's not that. choice. Exactly. That's, that's predator. That's predation. We have the advantage of seeing, we take care of over 5,000 survivors. So if we rescue 30 kids in an operation and take them to a place where there's already a hundred kids at that institution, at that, at that facility to, to aftercare, we take all of them, right? So we actually take care of a lot more than we actually rescue. And so over 5,000. So we get access and understand this. I've seen the brain of a 12-year-old girl who's been raped many times uh, by an adult. And the brain scan looks identical to the brain scan of a child the same age who was in a traumatic car accident, has a traumatic brain injury. Like that's what happens. Like the science actually proves the opposite. Children are not equipped for this. And, and they are not in a position, like you said, to make those kind of decisions about having sex with with adults, and if we don't stand up, and, and here, and and to the point of why we're not, why these things get lost, and the media is not talking, because children, unlike adults, children can't organize themselves, they can't protest, they can't riot, they can't do those things, and if we don't do it for them, they're gone, and they're going to be forgotten. That's why when the lockdowns happened, no one thought to consider what will happen to our children, because they're the silent in the corner that if you don't. No. You're not listening to them. It's time to listen to them and be their voice. And the thing is, parents, like all parents, like it's not enough if you're a parent, and even if you have parental energy, even if you're not a parent, if you understand what that is to be a father or to be a mother, the, all the kids of the world are our kids, and we're all their parents in a, certain, in a certain level. So it is our job to stand where they can't stand. You know, it's all of it's all of our responsibility. But all the, all too often, we get too like narrow minded, myopically focused. Well, you know, my kids are fine. Maybe they're fine, but you don't know if they're playing games. Like, be very mindful of your own kids, but also know that everybody's your kid. Everyone's like, we're kid. we're one world. We're that, one family. That message is so important. I learned that the hard way uh, when I started in this work. I remember the first child exploitation case I had. And I see these little boys, they're like seven, six, eight years old, just being raped by this guy in this video. It's, it's a case we did that. We just raided the guy's house. And I, I remember falling to my knees, dry heaving into the, into the trash can. And I'm just like going nuts. I jump into my car. I drive to my kid's school. I check them out. I, I lie and say they have to go to the dentist. I just get them out. I take them home. My wife's like, what are you doing? I'm just sobbing and hugging my kids. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't go back to work. Mm. So I actually had to get professional help 
and and they man you know they mandate us to go see you know mental health providers to help us and i learned a process i could go through to to block from seeing my from from kind of automatically superimposing my children's faces which i was doing mm. onto all these victims and i learned how to not do that and and i went and functioned that way for for years a decade later i'm doing an operation where i'm walking into a false it's 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 a trafficking center posing as an orphanage mm. they're selling these kids and and it started happening again i started seeing like you, i have nine kids right so it's easy for me to <laughs> i can't mm, yeah. help it it's like yeah, every age ages. i got one right i got a kid to put the face on yeah and something told me let it go don't 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 utilize the mechanism the let it happen let it happen and i did and and these kids became my kids and all of a sudden i realized at the end of that case i never should have I never should have done that. Never should have shut it off. I never should have shut it off because what wouldn't you do for your kid? All of a sudden, I'm pushing the envelope. We're doing things I never would have done, and it was that very case that literally two of those kids in that case became my kids. It like and it worked right. And so Mm. that's what I tell people is don't shy away from that. If you if if you accidentally or if your mind goes there and and superimposes your own kids or your nieces and nephews, grandkids' faces, let it happen. Have the courage. Have the courage. And be the parent because that kid's got no one. The only adult in that kid's life is trying to rape them or sell them to have their organs cut out of them or something horrific. Be the parent. There's a there's a concept called sacred rage. And you know, there's road rage, obviously. Somebody cuts you off and you just have a short fuse and like stop honking and fucking flipping them off. It's fine. You know, you're okay. <laughs> you know, I know you got a little scared, but like it's okay. Yeah. And that's rage is like, you shouldn't, if you have a big problem that go work on that. But then there's the sacred rage and the sacred rage of, I've just seen some horrible injustice and now I'm filled with a fire and with a, with a passion that's going to give me courage to go into those dark and scary places and see those things and commit myself to a greater cause. And I think that's something that we all need to get back in touch with is not just outrage and not just rage, rage, not just anger, but the sacredness of that feeling of like, no, this is wrong. Righteous and I indignation. will not stand. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. We need more righteous indignation. Cause I, I, I agree with you. It's, I think our bodies have a need for it, mm-hmm. but we get the counterfeit, which is like this false outrage yeah. over like, really? You're pissed about that? Right. Right. You're, I, I agree with you. It's 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 let's. I think the key is educating people, showing them what it is, and they will attach to it, and be and 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 have that sacred rage, that righteous indignation. Well, I think that's a beautiful thing that you're doing by bringing cameras along with you on these things, because when you see it, when you see it for real, and it's not a reenactment. This isn't some Hallmark movie right. <laughs> where you're getting some shitty actor, yeah. some B actor, to kind of play this out. Side note: The worst of those is those like historical epics that they reenact, where people are like half-ass fighting, and I'm like, "Stop! Just stop! It's not illustrating anything. You guys just kind of hanging yeah. out." But that's not what this is. That's not what Operation Tucson was. That's mm-hmm. no. This is real footage of you going in there and doing it. And of course, you shield the most graphic of the graphic footage. Sure, you know. But yeah. there's that point where it just goes dark, and like, look, we had to cut out this you know this kid being raped which was caught on caught on film and you feel it you feel the energy you see it in your face you see it in everybody there and that's a story that even though it's just one little microcosm it's one little anecdote you know out of the millions then it wakes you up and then you then you feel that thing and and i think that's really important so it's it's important to be storytellers here and i think that's another great service you're doing not just being an operator but a storyteller and telling the stories through these 
do these moving pictures. Storytellers are truly the, the true heroes in this cause. They really are. You are your storyteller, and you're helping us tell our story. Uh, it's 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 what's going to solve this because and and again, I learned from my heroes of the of that original underground railroad and the abolitionist movement. That's what they did. They got graphic. They started saying what it was, showing what it was, mm. and people shocked their systems. That was the beginning of the end of slavery. And for some reason, they didn't organize and do it until the 19th century after 400 years. Um, but we have our chance to do it right now. At this point in the podcast, Tim Ballard tells an incredible story about a recent rescue in which the government played a really supportive role in helping him execute the mission at hand. When we return after this commercial, we're going to dive right into my own commentary on the subject after redacting the details that are still sensitive about this story. But rest assured, everything happened in the way that it should, and the mission was a success. So before we get back to the podcast, right now at Onnit, if you're listening to this, we're offering a seven-day supply of Total Hemp for free. Just pay shipping. It's a free trial of Total Hemp. Now, if you're not familiar with utilizing CBD products, this is a great opportunity to just see how it works for you. I know they're out there in a lot of different forms. The reason that Onnit came out with Total Hemp is we found a great source that's formulated with 100% field-grown broad-spectrum hemp extract. It has enhanced bioavailability, it's solvent-free, and absolutely THC-free. It's something that I like to take every night before I go to sleep and also after any really hard, grueling workout or when I'm out crushing it on the pickleball court for two hours or perhaps getting crushed. Either way, these hemp products are great for both recovery and relaxation, and they definitely help sleep. So check it out for a limited time. You'll get Total Hemp 7-Day Supply for free. Go to onnit.com slash Aubrey to take advantage of the special free trial. Once again, onnit.com slash Aubrey. And now back to the podcast. Yeah, I mean, it's very much you know, we all watched Liam Neeson's Taken, you know, and I think we have some idea that maybe every once in a blue moon that happens, but we don't realize that that's happening all the time. Right. That people are being taken and that there are people with a special set of skills, you know, that are out there actually doing the work to bring them home. Yeah. You know, but not enough, not enough people doing that, you know, but I think I can see that changing. And also, you know, I, I want to take a moment to celebrate the government working as a government should like all too often we hide behind bureaucracy as if like ah oh, well you know it's bureaucratic we got to go through this agency and this agency passports you know passports are hard it shouldn't be like that there should be a, a human being ultimately be like oh yeah this makes sense i know who i can call to get this done and we just get this exactly done. right and like that's the way any efficient government should work we should never hide behind our bureaucracy or this is hard like this makes sense yeah let's do it yeah so and and we're very hopeful. Did. We're very hopeful that we're going to see more of that from the government moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. So when, you know, when you look at, and this is, this is something that, you know, when you look at society, that's also in a weird way, condoning behavior, that's completely out of line, you know? So you've seen, you know, I was someone who actually witnessed this firsthand. And I know you have, you know, something else that you were talking about, a, a show that you were talking about, but my former partner Whitney Miller was Miss United States so as she was competing I went to the national competition out in Washington DC and as I was there they go by age bracket leading up to you know 
her age group, which is just regular Miss United States. So then there's teen, which is like 18 to whatever, 20. And then there's, but then there's the preteen ones. So there's like two age brackets, like, you know, 16 to 18, 14 to 16. Then there's one that's like 12 to 14. And I was in the, I was in the <laughs> audience. I had nothing else to do because Whitney was backstage and I'm watching this and I'm going, what in the fuck is this there's it's a swimsuit competition with 12 year olds in heels and tiny bikinis rolling around twirling and the way that the lights are and the fabric of the swimsuits you can see far too much and it was like this is the most awkward thing i've ever seen in my life and you know fortunately that was the last pageant i ever had to go to because i would never go to another one after that because it was so uncomfortable absolutely uncomfortable but there's these things that are happening and then you look at even the younger kids pageants full makeup six-year-olds heels you know prancing around it's like this is not healthy for both kid or for viewer in any way shape or form and that's something that also like people are not nearly outraged enough about in my opinion you know again the sacred rage like stop all right stop fine if you want to do pageants cool do pageants when you're 18, you know, that's fine. Absolutely. I mean, we're, we're, we're fighting, we're fighting this really. It's a normalization, a desensitization that I feel is, is coming upon this world of kid sex is kids and sexualization is okay. And it's just, they don't understand what they're doing. They're creating, they're fueling the demand. First of all, right? Mm. Like for example, we, we talked about this to bring it up, this film called cuties. That's, that's all over the news right now. Um, and it, it, it actually seeks, I, I read, I, I watched an interview for the director and the director said, no, 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 I'm fighting the over-sexualization of children. I'm showing how, what could happen to them. I'm showing a mirror of society where these girl, these girls, these young girls, they're like 10, 11, 12 years old, prepubescent girls. And they, they they feel like in order to be popular or to, to make it, they have to be sexy. And I'm, I'm, the director said, I'm against it. And I believe her, her intent was to be against it. But in order to show it, she takes us into such darkness that it, it really eclipses the light completely, and I believe becomes a tool for evil, un, unintended. I mean, these clips are—I I, I can't even believe it. I mean, I've seen a—I've seen everything there is to see, and I jerked away when I watched it. I, I, I thought, what? Why am I watching this on a mainstream, you know, network where it's—I mean, these are crotch shots where like it's up in the girl's crotch and she's dancing sexy and they're touching each other's butts and. And spreading their legs wide open, you can see like the outline of everything. I'm going, what? Again, prepubescent kids. And one, you're providing content that I promise you every pedophile in America, every one of them has watched that movie 10 times. Mm. And they're going to keep it and they're going to watch it. They don't care that the underlying message from the from the, the movie is we're against this. You've provided that material, one. And, yeah. and two, and, and more uh, I think profound, is you have now lowered the bar. You've now said it's okay to show this in public because the next movie that shows it won't have the underlying message of we're fighting this. It's not going to matter. It's just going to be, no, no, no. They told us it's okay now. It's okay now to put this out there. Again, I'm not questioning the intent of the director or the, or the, or the distributor. I think their intent was probably to do something good and fight it. But if you've been in this fight as long as we've been, we can tell you you made a mistake. Right. You, you can tell that story without showing that and 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 helping to really it's it's hurting the fight in the end yeah so 
Yeah, and I think that's important. And, and also to understand, you know, I learned something that was really interesting that's always stuck with me. So I was doing some, some charity work out in Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. And we were going into the slums, Soweto slum. And I know a bit of traditional martial arts. Mostly it's been kickboxing and Muay Thai and jujitsu and things. But I knew enough to at least stand up there with another black belt and help be kind of this strong paternal figure that was teaching traditional martial arts to the kids who you know wanted that kind of strength and discipline and, and somehow chuck norris is still an action hero all around the world right <laughs> which is interesting yeah. enough so so we went there and and you know we were we were doing this and, and the work was really satisfying and also incredibly eye-opening to see slums that are built on hills just shanty tin shacks where the human sewage was going through mm -hmm. but to see the joy and the light in the in the kids that were there it was a really eye-opening experience. But another eye-opening part of that was when we went down to Tanzania. In Tanzania, they have a, a practice of genital mutilation for young girls, yeah. clitorectomies, where yeah. they take sharp flint or, or dirty knives and they actually cut out, the, cut out the clitoris in the woman. And that's supposed to be a rite of passage to make her available to be a bride, right? And it's, of course, you know, you can track this back to the denial of women's pleasure and this absolute rampant insecurity and possession and fear about them wanting to have sex with somebody else and a control mechanism however so this is atrocious this is some, one of those things that like it it turns your stomach when you hear that this is happening but one of the challenges that people who are working with it are facing is that the young women want to do it because they've been taught and conditioned from such an early age that to do this means that you're attractive to men it means that you're a woman that's something that a man is going to want. And a, and a young woman who's been conditioned that way wants to be a woman that the men want. And so what they're fighting is, even when they put out policies and say, okay, no more genital mutilation, the girls will find go to places where they can find it yeah. you know, and do it. So it's not only that we have to create you know, whatever kind of legal and ramification structure, we also have to tend to the minds that have been conditioned Correct. and brainwalks. And, yeah to go to the point of, of the cuties, the over-sexualization and that getting so much attention. And if a kid sees that a woman can just show her ass on Instagram, get 2 million followers and be rich as fuck from all of her ad endorsement deals, and it's like, we're training everybody. Yeah. And it's, it's not to say like, stop people from doing that, fine. If you're an adult, do whatever the hell you want, absolutely, yeah. like live your life. But be mindful that we also have to have some intentional practice to reach the impressionable young kids that are learning from what's working and then trying to mimic that you know like just some education some like loving you know advice saying you know your worth is not tied up in your beauty in your sex your worth is who you are in your heart and it doesn't matter any of this stuff all of this is just superficial nonsense and just beat that message home so that people feel like oh Rao, what's really important is like who i am as a person not what i look like not what i'm doing sexually and that's like equally important just as it's important in tanzania to go to these young girls and say hey like you don't need to cut off your clitoris to be attractive to a man there's a whole world of men that will love you and cherish you and want you to have pleasure and get pleasure from you experiencing the pleasure <laughs> of sexual intercourse and in and, and the union between man and woman and this is just a this is just a small window you've been exposed to and there's so much more because it has to be both it has to be policy and then also like loving nurturing education to help undo some of this conditioning and brainwashing Absolutely. I agree 100%. And I'm hoping, I feel like for the first time ever this year, 
people are seeing it and they're saying what you're saying. And now it's just turn the volume up on it and hope it has the effect. Yeah. And that's, it's the amplification yeah. of the message. And, and the, the beautiful thing is these things start to reach and they start to reach tipping points. And it feels like it's getting, it feels like it's getting really close where mm -hmm. it's like, you know, it's gonna, I, I believe it's gonna catch a lot of momentum because it is one of the things that the world can rally behind. And damn, if we don't need something that everybody can rally behind, blue, need it red, purple, yeah. green, black, white, it doesn't matter. Everybody can hold hands and say, right. let's rally behind this. And that's what we need more than anything. And that's what, of course, all of the kids and all of the women, you know, need more than anything as well. Absolutely right, man. Yeah, well. That's why we call ourselves Operation Underground Railroad. In fact, um, that was a time where just a, the hatred and divisiveness and racism, right? But there was a group of people. I mean, the Underground Railroad was made up of black, white. Mexicans were part of it. Uh, Germans, Americans, they, they all, it didn't matter of different races, religions. They all came together, dropped the prejudice and said, there's something greater than all of us. And that is that human bondage is evil and let's rally. And I, I love that part of the Underground Railroad of like, we need that today. We, that's, we need a, Mike Tomlin, the head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers was the one mm -hmm. who kind of taught me that. He's like, we need the Underground Railroad today. If, if nothing else, of course to save kids, but to find that rallying cry that everybody can get behind and then we can start to love each other as we fight together to, to rescue kids. Yeah. Well, I want everybody listening um, to know that like I'm in this, I'm in this hundred percent, man. And, um, and normally I, I wouldn't do this. I give a lot of my donations, you know, quietly. Um, but I wanted to give you this on air just to encourage people, uh, to do the same and to just do what you can. So here's a check for a hundred thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, for... man. Unbelievable. Oh, you are. You, You're welcome, brother. Man. Man. <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. You're welcome. We can do a lot with this. In fact, we're going to track this, tell you what we did with it, and I'll come back out here and report to everybody what we did. Amazing. And everybody who's watching or listening, like whatever, whatever you have, even if it's just your words, even if it's just a repost or it's a share, or and it doesn't have to be money. You know, it can be anything. It can be even energetically. You know, in your in your nightly Absolutely. prayer. Absolutely. You know, if you think about those kids and you connect to it, that's that's something. We believe you know? in that and we use that as well. <laughs> everything, everything, yeah. everything that we can do collectively together, you know, it's it's worth it. It's worth it. It is. Yeah. Thank you so much for everything you've done, brother. Thank you, Aubrey. Really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. So much love to everybody out there. Talk to you next week. I hope all of you feel inspired to join me in supporting Operation Underground Railroad and all of the other amazing organizations that are fighting this fight against human slavery and sex trafficking. It's one of the things that I think all humanity can band together and all agree this is something that really matters and this is something that we can make a difference in. So thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, Operation Underground Railroad, O-U-R, rescue.org. I love you guys and I'll see you next week.